big announcement. I am so excited to announce this because this is something that I have been working on and putting my love into for quite some time now. It is the Together in Love, the four-month relationship mentorship that I am putting on for you guys. This is really a mentorship that's focused on learning how to love yourself more authentically, how to open your heart to real love, how to create relationships that ultimately leave you and your current or future partners fulfilled on a soul level. So this is for singles. This is for couples. This is for triads. It's really for everybody out there who's wanting to deepen their relationship with themselves and create the optimal love life for them. So you'll join me. You'll have a community of like-minded people, and we're all going to traverse this tricky waters of self-discovery, emotional intimacy, sexual exploration. You know, we go through the entire thing, and I'm bringing on some of my favorite guest expert coaches who are also putting on workshops. So you'll have coaching with me. We'll have group calls. We'll have workshops. We have all kinds of things. And I absolutely guarantee by the end of this, you're going to feel a a shift and a transformation within yourself and feel more comfortable expressing your desires, how to get those. What what happens with conflict resolution? Um, How do we use that to strengthen our relationship as opposed to instead of how to be a detriment to it. So if you guys are interested, I am going to announce it and release it fully within the uh, next couple of weeks. But if you are interested, let me know on my social media at Wit and Love, or you can email me to save your spot for sure. And I can make sure that you're on the list to receive the email as soon as I launch. Much love, guys. Hope to see you soon. All right, guys, this is a super casual episode with Wednesday and I. It's like you're sitting down with us to hear what we talk about on a regular basis. There's so much going on in our world, so it's just us sitting down, having conversation, talking about what's going on in our lives, what we think about WAP, what we think about COVID, all kinds of good stuff. So I hope you guys enjoy. Hey, Wednesday. Hi, Whitney. How you doing? You know, in between sneezes, pretty good, pretty good. But Did if you, my voice sounds a little I- iffy and I f- sound snotty, you're just getting a real <laughs> inside look into me and my allergies. <laughs> so it, it's allergies, not COVID. It's allergies for sure. It's definitely okay. not COVID. Um, yeah, but you I were, mean, you were down like, for the count for a while. Was it allergies or what? What? Yeah, like I missed you for a while. I know it's so. Central what did Texas you have? Is, is insane. Allergies here are batshit crazy. They attack you and they just hold on to you for dear life until they just suffocate you to death. Oh my god! Um, but no, they say you can move here and you won't have allergies for a while, and then you'll just get them all the time. So today it's really high in ragweed, which I don't know. Perhaps I'm allergic to. <laughs> <laughs> you're, and you're you're suffering. Ball allergy time, people. Beware. Take your yeah, flonase. Like, I don't know what else you can do. That's rough. Yeah. I'm a one type of person that has to take like children's Zyrtec. <laughs> Otherwise, it makes me feel crazy. Oh, we don't want you feeling crazy. Or maybe we do. Or maybe we do. <laughs> you know what's going to be so cool? I didn't even tell you this. I have reached out to this female scientist and science educator who studies our immune systems, and she's going to be on an episode coming up soon. So like Great. she's she's going to be able to talk to us about so much cool stuff, your allergies, 
Um, <laughs> my, I'm sure people are so thrilled about that. <laughs> and their allergies. Um, anybody like women are much more prone to autoimmune disorders. So she can talk to us about that. Um, she can talk to us about stress in your immune system because people were in a stressful time. And she can talk to us about vaccines. Um, so okay. that's going to be cool. She's going to be, I won't say her name because we haven't nailed it down yet, but just stay tuned. We're having an immunologist on and she's awesome. Awesome. That'll be really great. Yeah. We need that. We need that information. I don't really know a whole lot about that. So I look forward to that. I feel like it's going to be really helpful. And, you know, she's a professional science communicator. So her whole jam is to take all that data and cross it over and make it easy to understand. So I'm really looking forward to it too. A professional science educator. I have never heard that term before. I was about to ask you. (laughs) Or or science communicator. Yeah. Communicator. yeah. Yeah. Her job is to take complicated data and studies and information and just you know, put it out there for lay people so that they understand concepts like immunity, um, vaccines, all stuff like that, so that they understand and can, you know, move forward with some knowledge. So can't wait for that. Agreed. I'm looking forward to that. Do you know what I did? Do you know what I did this afternoon? No, I don't. I want to hear all about it though. Well, I was just about to ask you what you've been up to. (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of like, um, immunity. And I mentioned the relationship between our immune systems and stress. This afternoon, I had a big deadline. And after I hit my deadline at like two in the afternoon, you had a big orgasm. No, oh, should have, have, (laughs) could have. Instead, I got into a bath with Epsom salts because you know what? I don't drink. So when I hit a deadline, I'm sober. I can't be like, woohoo, and have a glass of champagne. So yeah. I, got in, I got in the bathtub. I put a lot of Epsom salts in there. And I just lay in that bathtub. And I was like, wow, it's a Monday at <laughs> 2 in the afternoon. And I'm taking a bath for a and long time. <laughs> and if there's any upside to the pandemic, maybe it's that we're all upping our self-care a little bit. But that's what yeah. I was doing today. I don't know. That's what I was doing. You were sneezing your ass off. I was Embar- just and I'm so embarrassed up. when I do it because <laughs> you know everyone looks at you like oh yeah. you're sneezing in public you're sneezing in public you're one of those are you you're one of yeah. those yeah you gotta wear a sign that says I have allergies <laughs> a sandwich Seriously. board can we design you a sandwich board that says I have seasonal allergies on both sides I for when something you- yeah for when you go I outside really do mm-hmm. but I'm going yeah. to Mexico so thank God. I'm getting out of the allergies. That'll be nice. Oh, okay. You're going to just pull a geographical on your allergies. I'm outie. I'm Good. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to have allergies at the beach, right? right. Yeah, exactly. There's well, no that's ragweed be nice. there. That's going to be really nice. And you know what? I feel like we could all use a vacation as we head into, so tonight, uh, there's a debate, right? Biden and Trump are um, debating tonight. And then we're getting closer and closer to the election. Let me tell you, Whitney, in New York. Yeah. Tell me what's going on. Okay. Well, I would say you could just cut the tension with a knife. With a butter knife, probably, huh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's, It's very tense. People are on edge. You know, my, um, 
psychotherapist Suzanne that I talk about sometimes, my lesbian Buddhist um, sex therapist, individual psychotherapist Suzanne. I feel like she needs to come on the podcast. I know. She never would because it would, you know, violate all kinds of ethics. Oh, um, but she darn. would be – she would <laughs> – too bad because she could make people feel so good. Like she's the person who turned me into a Buddhist. And, but the reason I bring her up is she, I always say like, you know, I'm a researcher. So I'm always like, so tell me what's going on with like everybody don't name names, but just like, tell me what's your take on the culture right now. And she, she said her patients aren't sleeping well. They're reporting their hair is falling out. Some of them they're, they're reporting, um, shortness of breath, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stress-related stuff uh, because the election is coming up. So people are super tense. I have a Um, really good girlfriend who I had dinner with last night. And um, she, if Trump gets elected, like, I'm I'm actually worried about her. I'm very worried about her. Yeah, that she would just... She'll just fly off the handle. Yeah. So I mean, so she'll be nonstop crying for days. I got to tell you, in my world, a lot of people, for a lot of people, Trump being elected is for them, it's a matter of their personal safety, the personal safety of their children, right? Like, um, if you're uh, an immigrant, you know, it's the stakes are very high and personal, right? Because you've seen those kids in detention centers because mm-hmm. of family separation. Um, a lot of the women I know in the sex positive space, you know, we joke, there's not going to be any orgasm equality as long as we have Donald Trump. And, you know, to me, Donald Trump is a pleasure extinction event, right? Like, <laughs> like wait, I don't know. Where, like yeah. And, and, you know, um, for my black friends, uh, as well, you know, they, they just feel like their children uh, won't be as safe if Donald Trump is reelected. So I'm seeing just people feeling so personally invested and personally scared um, about yeah. the outcome of this election. And I know many people in my circles who, even if they don't have the resources to do it, are saying that they will leave the country um, if Trump wins. And you know, I have never felt that way before, um, but I understand people feeling like they don't know if democracy uh, can take another four years of Donald Trump. I mean, think about it. This guy said, and I don't think he was kidding. This dude said when he was asked, if you are not reelected, will you participate in the peaceful transfer of power? Will you facilitate the peaceful transfer of power to the next president? And he basically said, no. What did he say? I'm not familiar with this. Uh, he said that he he's already setting the groundwork that mail-in ballots are fake ballots, right? <sighs> so just okay. like he'd set the groundwork since 20, early, you know, since 2016, he's been setting the groundwork that the media is fake news and that you can't believe anything in the media. He's been setting the groundwork for a while for people to believe that they can't even believe election results. Now it makes sense for Democrats to feel that way um, because we know there's been so much gerrymandering and, and explicit and then also more subtle voter suppression um, Mm -hmm. by the Republican party. But for him to, 
be telling people don't believe election results is pretty unprecedented in American history. It is, I don't think I've ever heard another sitting president say, oh, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to guarantee that I'll say that the people have spoken and I'll go. That's what a dictator says. Mm -hmm. And it's like, there's so much that's come out of his mouth that I don't think other presidents would have ever thought about saying. So much. Yeah. Do you think people care about the fact that for two years running, he paid $750 a year in federal income taxes? <laughs> do, you think, do you think anybody cares about that or do people not care? What? It, what how are people in Texas responding to that or people I in just, Austin? I just don't think people are even believing it. Like, I feel like there's so much information out there that some people just don't, are kind of turning a blind eye. And maybe it's because it's so stressful and maybe because there's just so much coming at us um, from COVID to the election to mm-hmm. all of this stuff that it might just be too much for people. Yeah. I mean, you're so you're saying you think people are just um, have reached, what would we call it? Awareness fatigue? Like they can't take Something. in any more, any more craziness. Any more craziness, any more stress, any more fear, because a lot of it, it's scary. Everything that's happening right now is scary. It's almost like we don't even get any sort of good news anymore. You know, it's just like, oh shit, what do we have to deal with now? And what does that mean for me and my family? Right. And, you know, I also, since you and I are just kind of shooting the breeze about what's going on. Yeah. I can also tell you a big thing in my cohort, um, because I'm a mom, so... Uh, but maybe in your cohort too, of people, you know, in graduate school and stuff. Um, Also, my husband teaches um, graduate students at Columbia. So a big thing going on in our lives right now and in many people's lives that I hear from is back to school. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, a lot of people that I know and hear from are saying, I really need my kids to go back to school. And yet, you know, many of them are worried about safety. Uh, many people with kids in private schools are wondering like, you know, does it, is this school really doing the right thing or do they really just need the tuition money and are, what is their priority? Is their priority really the safety of my child and my family or is their priority the tuition money? Um, and then, you know, at colleges, I've, I've been following the news about, you know, kids went to college, colleges opened And then kids being kids, right? You go to college your freshman year, like you want to go to parties, you want to hang out, right? Mm -hmm. You're that frontal, that (laughs) your executive functioning hasn't totally come in. Like, right, your frontal cortex is not totally developed and pruned yet. (laughs) Like you're not making the best decisions when you're 19 or 18. Thank God I have that as an excuse because (laughs) I made some poor decisions, I will say. (laughs) And I'm just going to blame it on my neocortex. Yes. But, But so those kids are hanging out, right? Then of course they get sick. Now those kids are coming from all over the country. They hang out, they get sick. And then a lot of the colleges are sending them back home. And then they and, get their family sick. Yeah, and then they're get they're getting people on their flights sick, and people in the airport sick, and and it's like you got to wonder about these colleges. Like, did you not play that scenario? Like, have you never? I think it was Paul Krugman who said, "Like, have you 
ever met a 19-year-old. <laughs> when he heard that colleges were opening, Paul Krugman said, did you ever meet a 19-year-old? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so people, you know, there's a lot of worry um, in my world and in my DMs, a lot of worry from parents just saying, is our family going to be okay? Are my kids, you know, your kids are probably going to be okay. Um, yeah. Multi-inflammatory syndrome in children um, is a very rare thing. Um, kids usually have mild symptoms of COVID. So it's not so much that people are concerned about their children, although they are, but they're just concerned about, will this give us another wave of the pandemic? And it's a little bit too early for us to have data now. I saw something in the Washington Post about how it doesn't seem like elementary schools being back um, has has contributed to any kind of uptick, but colleges, definitely. Well, let me tell you, I mean, I live in Austin, Texas. We have the University of Texas here with 80,000 students or something. I'm not sure. I want to look that up so I know. Um, And I I mean, it's a big, big university. It's huge. It's a huge university, right? Yeah. So I live, it looks like, oh, maybe I was way off, 51,000. Our well, that's football a lot. stadium, yeah, holds way more than that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So <laughs> I live downtown, and I can look at all of the bars here in Austin, and basically everything is open. There's lines as you go into the bars. I mean, they have mm-hmm. to keep it at a, at a certain you know percentage of capacity, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's basically like Austin is back open, mm-hmm. which is wild. Wow. Did you guys ever really close? I was wondering about that. Like, cause I know that it was very, you know, we went state by state and some states like New York, we freaking locked it down. Yeah, y'all did. It was like a ghost town. And then we reopened. Did, did Austin lock down? Was there a time when everything was closed or how did that go in Austin? Yeah, for a hot minute. Um, the, all of the bars had to close. Now, I guess there, you have to have food. And so a lot of the bars are, can open and they'll just have like a food truck outside. There's like ways that they're doing this. Um, Uh, they're finding ways around the rules. They're finding ways around the rules for sure. And, um, yeah, for a, a hot minute, things really shut down. Um, they boarded up the bars on sixth street just because, you know, they're afraid of, um, people breaking in and whatever. And, but I really don't think it was for that long. They made us, the only thing that I really remember is I walk the trail downtown all the time and they make you go um, counterclockwise. That was like the main thing. Right. So you won't all be passing each other, right? Right. And yeah. And I mean, that's one of the really smart things. I mean, there are protocols for COVID that especially with school going back, I've been paying attention to them. Like, so, you know, I feel like you can, there are, certain places you know you can trust because they have good protocols in place, like one-way hallways. Um, For example, at a school, teaching outdoors as much as possible. Um, I would love that. Like there are certain (laughs) things that have come about with COVID that I would like to keep. Like outdoor seating, all of the patios that's going on, I love sitting outside and eating. I want them to keep that forever. 
Oh, yeah. I, you, yeah. You know, here in the Hamptons, people are socializing. I mean, it's fall. It's getting cooler. People are buying those, um, you know, those outdoor heaters that they have in LA. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have them in Austin. Yeah. yeah. Um, people like are tall. probably, yeah. People are probably familiar with them. They're like those kind of propane heaters. So people, right. <laughs> there was a run on those in the stores and my little, anthropologist antenna went up because I was like, that's such a testament to how much we need to be sociable, right? We're like, mm-hmm. if we will, if we have to be outside and it's cold, we will find a strategy so that we can be around people safely. It's, and God bless. I mean, people really need it. We really need to socialize, but you know, just keep your mask on, do it outside, keep some distance and just let's not fuck up. We've come this far. Let's not mess up in winter during flu season. And like, let's not all have a big second wave from bringing all our socializing and close quarters indoors without masks. Please, you guys. Yeah, it's just being smart. And it's like, regardless of how you feel about this, I think you just have to think about the people around you. You know, think about the like, pe- think about the people around you. Look, people who don't believe in science, people who think that science is a conspiracy against their civil liberties. It's hard to reach those people. It's hard to reason with them. But you know, one way to do it is to just, like you said, appeal to people's compassion and altruism. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just think about the people around you. I mean, you don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know if they have somebody who's ill at home or if they've had someone that's died of COVID or whatever. And so it's just like, all right. Let's just think about each other here at you the know, bottom I, line. Yeah. The let's bare think, minimum, let's, let's think about each other. I love that. I mean, I totally agree. I have a 19-year-old who could not go off to his freshman year, which was a real disappointment. He was going to go to Los Angeles for school. Oh, wow. Yeah. I bet that was heartbreaking. It was really, it's been really hard. Um, and, you know, hardship is relative. But yeah, it's hard on kids that age developmentally when they think that they're going to fledge and be on their own and be around around a bunch of their peers. And then it's like, guess what? Nope. You're living at home and doing (laughs) online courses with your 12 year old brother. Yeah. (laughs) Dreams do come true. My, my 19 year old is so, you know, he goes out, he hangs out with friends and he's, and I told him early on, like, if you go hang out with friends, you have to wear an N95 mask when you're inside. Um, and I, I apparently I told him that. So he's been so diligent about wearing an N95 mask inside with us. And I turned to him the other day and I was like, I was like, you're being so careful about wearing the mask. You know, I really appreciate that. What, what was it that, that really got through to you about that? And he looked at me and goes, mom, don't you remember you said, Elliot, you'll be fine, but you could kill your father. <laughs> Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, I just laid it on the line in March. (laughs) You're like, listen. (laughs) Apparently, I had an effective parenting moment in March where I appealed to my son's altruism by saying, you know, you don't want to kill your dad, right? You have to live with that for the rest of your life, every waking moment. As much as you hate us, sometimes you probably don't want to have to live with killing us. So, you murderer. Yeah. (laughs) Just wear those masks inside as it gets colder and we move inside, right? And what? Yeah, go ahead. 
What Sorry. about, you know, like sex and COVID and masks and, and all of the kind of like guidelines and the regulations okay. that, you know, people are putting out there? Like how, how, how do we hook up with people or what, what have you heard? What have you read? Yeah. What's the data out there? Okay. So here's a cool thing. Well, cool or not. Okay. So a few months ago, um, the New York City Department of Public Health, which is like proudly sex positive, right? Because think about it, in New York City, we dealt with the AIDS epidemic in the late 80s and early 90s. And so sex educators and epidemiologists in New York City had really had to get smart about abstinence, right? And they were realizing it's not working to tell people not to have sex. Um, and they knew also that abstinence only education didn't work because like, remember that high school you went to for a while <laughs> and, and there were so many pregnant girls, which meant there were so many boys, uh, who weren't hearing the abstinence only sex ed messages, uh, having no any one effect wanted to do it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they looked at that fact. They looked at that abstinence education had never worked for sex ed. They And then they looked at what gay men and straight people too and queer people were doing in New York City in the late 80s and early 90s. And they said, our message that people should be abstinent is not working. We have to pivot, right? And we have to do a harm, we have to pivot to a harm reduction paradigm, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where these recommendations came out from the New York City De- Public, Department of Public Health, you know, use a condom, don't bear back if you're a gay man, um, fucking a gay man, use a condom, use barrier methods. If you're eating somebody's asshole out, you know, use a barrier method. Um, what do you do if you're eating someone's asshole out? Like a dental dam? Yeah, you could use a dental dam. You could cut open a condom, right? That could be like, uh, as long as it doesn't have some kind of spermicide on it, that's going to make your tongue yeah, go numb. That, that taste, you know, like, <laughs> the fat. Gross. But um, terrible. somebody at a, at the pleasure chest, one time I was in there writing an article and uh, this beautiful, tall trans woman did a demonstration for me about how you could cut a condom open and turn it into a dental dam. I was writing a story about how hard it is to get female condoms or internal condoms and dental dams. Okay, hold on. I took it on a tangent. I'm sorry. All I wanted to say, Wit, was the New York City Department of Health in the late 80s pivoted from abstinence to harm reduction to deal with the fact that let's get real. People want to have sex. Okay, long story short, that's what happened. Uh, Several weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, New York City Department of Health looked around and they said, people are going to be hooking up. Like, we're not going to stop people from having sex. Now, COVID's very different, right? Because you get it from respiratory droplets, these little fomites. And fomite transmission is very different than transmitting HIV, which is sexually transmitted. So it's Mm -hmm. very different. It's very, very different. And yet this idea that abstinence is not something that's going to stick, that you cannot expect people to be abstinent, um, that pleasure is a right and a need and people are going to be seeking it out. Let's get real. So I love my city's department of health for pivoting. And you know, some of the stuff that they came up with, you know, some of the recommendations they said, um, Hey, gay men have been using glory holes for a long time. Maybe straight people, um, can like have a glory (laughs) hole 
and try others. it out. If you want to go to a sex party, have it in a really well ventilated area, right? Or if you want to see somebody who's not your partner in your household, do it with all the windows open, do it with an air purifier on, do it with a fan, wear masks, use positions like reverse cowgirl or you know, if you're heterosexual doggy style, right? And wear a mask. And um, the New York City Department of Health recommended glory holes and all kinds of things. (laughs) I mean, it sounds crazy. And yet, you know, that give people this information. And we know from the AIDS epidemic, people will, a lot of people will take precautions. So tell people about um, what Jonna and Kenneth Play did. Yeah, I what they I mean you're the one that told me about it, but I think it's it's awesome. I got to find where I had this cuz you had the deets about that. Yeah, so they came out with a practical guide um to continue having sex during this pandemic. And they they basically put it out in level 1, level 2, level 3. So they're saying that Level one is your roommates, your your pod, your swinging buddies, if you're in a polyamorous relationship or unconventional relationship. And um, you want to see what behaviors they're engaging in. Um, so you but, know what so they're So that's up your to. level one? What, that's your level one? That's the level one that they have on here, yes. Okay, go on. So high physical contact is your level one. Um, and this okay. is the most intimate group of people with the highest likelihood of transmission. Level okay. two, people with whom you have moderate physical act, uh, contact with, you're probably not swapping spit. So it's like casually socializing, workout buddies, coworkers, things like that. Level three, people with whom you have a low um, level of physical contact. So that is just people who are out in the streets, everyday people that maybe you walk next to. Um, and most of the time, this is when you're using the highest form of protocol. So you're wearing your masks and you're re- remaining socially distant. So those are kind of the the three levels that they broke it down into. And then they get even more, they really take it even more in depth to um, deciding like the responsibilities of each group into like what else is here? Like they what said, you like disclose to each group. And they're also mm-hmm. saying that when it comes to disclosure, it's, it's using the same um, guidelines and recommendations that you use for STIs. Oh, interesting. Okay. So like level one, your level one people are your like radical honesty people. Like yes. you, you tell them everything. They're like your closest friends or your partners or okay. you know, any so other they, lovers that you have, so, roommates. So, yeah. Okay. So they need to know like with your level one people that you're having sex with, you, those people in that level one, and I think they said like, try to limit it to six to 12 people, right? Because they're so real. I love I love, I love that being 12. <laughs> so okay, I can do that. Am I right that they said that like these people you need to disclose rigorously to them? Like, you know what? I went to the farmer's market today and like a dude sneezed near me. Just putting it out there, right? Like you like, or you know what? I like of course you would say like, oh, you know what? I hooked up with somebody level one people, like a person outside our household, outside our pod. You need to tell them that, right? Like that's the kind of level one disclosure. Right. Because these are the people that you're going to be like kissing or swapping spit or hooking up with. Like if you get exposed to it, you're going to expose them. So that's level one. Okay. Got it. So those people, Jana and Kenneth are saying, um, tell them everything. Tell them. I mean, I would even tell if I... (laughs) 
if I had such an interesting life, um, <laughs> I would be, I would be telling those people, I mean, I'm super conscientious and some people might say I'm beyond diligent. They might say I'm a little bit, the, you know, they, they would probably put, a lot of people would probably classify me as extreme in terms of my COVID, um, diligence. So if I had a group of level one people that I was in a sexual relationship with, I would be telling them, honestly, when I took the subway or when I got in an Uber, I would just, I would put it on the table about even de minimis um, risk behaviors. But, but I guess the main thing you're saying is that this article goes into figure out what risk behaviors are and then for your level one people, tell them all of them. Yes, exactly. And then, you know, be just super transparent, exactly like you said. And what about level two? What are those? Because I don't care about level three people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> those random people on the streets. Who cares That's about them? No, I really do care about level three people. That's why I always wear a mask. I love you, my level three people. But what about level two with? Are you wearing a mask outside? Like, are you like when you go for walks and things like that? Um, well, when I go for walks out here in the Hamptons, the population density is pretty low. Mm-hmm. I carry one with me. And if I walk through like a group of people, um, which would be rare, but like sometimes like big families out, you know, with their dogs and the grandma and the mom and the kids, that happens around here sometimes. And I just pop on a mask when I walk past them to be polite. You know okay. what I mean? To be yeah. caring. Mm-hmm. When I go into the town of Sag Harbor, masks are required in the town of Sag Harbor. And I got to say, people have been so good about it, mostly. And I always wear my mask in the town of Sag Harbor. And then when I'm in New York City, I wear my mask outside all the time. And the rare times that I have taken my mask off, <laughs> because <laughs> I'm just, just going to say, God bless New Yorkers, because I'm so freaking diligent. But one time I was shooting a TV thing for French TV outside in the summer and I had to take my mask off and we were in the park and there was lots of space around us and they were shooting me. <laughs> God bless her. This woman walked by <laughs> right behind me with the camera rolling and said, why isn't your mask on? Uh, <laughs> so you'll get that in New York. If you're not wearing your mask, people are enforcing altruism. People are shaming you, you know, if you're not. And I think it's righteous, not shaming you. They're checking you and they're saying, hey, we all need to be in this together. So yeah, I wear my mask outside in New York and in the town of Sag Harbor for sure. Okay. So yeah. tell me about level two. What are we supposed to tell them? Well, level two is, let's see, this is if you're engaging in high-risk behavior. So okay. if you're really out there, maybe you're hooking up with people. This is like potentially putting someone at risk, but these are okay. still your coworkers and um, maybe people that you work out with. So they're more so acquaintances than anything. You may see them a couple times a week or once a week. Right. Um, but still, if this is something that, you know, you are out and about constantly and, and maybe you're hooking up with 12 people or whatever it is and you're not, you don't know their, um, yeah. if, if they have yeah. COVID or not, then yeah. You're saying so. They're saying they're saying say to those people, "Hey, oh, I can give an example of this wit because you know her, our friend um, Michelle Hope, unapologetic black sexologist, and she was has been very active at Black Lives Matter rallies and stuff, right? So she came to Sag Harbor, and she had been going to a lot of marches and rallies. And my husband is sixty-two, and um, so she very. 
very considerately. Um, didn't stay with us, but hung out with us during the day and hung out with us indoors. And, um, you know, whenever we went inside, she, we all wore N95 masks and because Michelle had told us, listen, I've been out, I've been around a lot of people. And even though we're outside and we're wearing our masks, I just want to tell you and Joel that, which I really appreciated. So to me, that's like a great example of these recommendations in action. Yes, I agree. See, I'm the type of person, like I'm going to the gym, I'm high risk, right? Because I'm going okay. to the gym, I've been going to out to eat, I've been, you know, walking around outside, I've been in Ubers every once in a while, if I have to take an Uber. Here in Texas, we don't really take Ubers, we drive everywhere. Oh, yeah. Kind of nice. But still, I've been in a couple Ubers, you know, so I would consider myself a, a high risk person. So if okay, I ever see you in, per- in person, I would. I'll let you know that and be transparent about that. See why I love you. <laughs> See, that's what friendship is all about. But I also always have my mask. I always have a mask with me. Yeah, that's, I mean, great. I Sometimes I still walk out and I forget my mask and I have to turn right around and get it. I'm still oh, yeah. not in the, it takes some time, right? To get used and to then, this. Yeah. And now they have all of these very cute masks and things. And so if I completely forget my N95 or all of them, I just have that bandana and you're like, oh, wow, you're the one that you're still wearing a bandana, huh? You haven't (laughs) caught up with the times. You're one of those. Okay. But you know what? You're showing people I care about you. I mean, I feel like sometimes with those neck gaiters and a bandana, which we know are not as effective, at least we're signaling to people I'm going to make an effort. I'm not going to talk a lot. I'm not going to start singing. <laughs> I'm, wearing this yeah, no. I'm wearing this because I get it and I care. Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you do that. I appreciate that when I see somebody with a bandana on, I'm like, you know what? Hey, you're not walking around ass out, face out. Like I appreciate you for that. <laughs> I mean, you can walk around ass out. I'm down. I'm down for that too. It's probably That's not better for you to walk around COVID. Yeah, it's probably better to walk around ass out than you know your mouth mouth breathing and singing about in people's faces. Think about it. We're living in a cultural moment where it would be better <laughs> to walk down the street in your leather chaps with your ass hanging out than to not wear a mask. That to me is more acceptable. Go for it. Please go for it and take pictures when you do it. That sounds like so much fun. I got a pair of chaps. Show me your chaps. Whitney, show me your ass. Just don't show me your mouth and nose on the street or in a restaurant. I feel like this is starting to get a little sexual. Keep your mouth to yourself. Just show me your ass. Just show, just, it's fine. Hey, I love, you know what I love about these study that you pointed us to is that one of the things that it says is a lot of people are like, well, let me test myself, this, that, and the other. And one of the things that this study points out or that Kenneth and Jana's um, guidelines point out is they give you a link to the Mayo Clinic self-assessment tool so Ooh. that you can disclose accurately to people. So they're saying, don't, don't rely on testing because there, there are delays in getting your results, right? And then you might have additional exposures while you're waiting for your results. They say, you know, go to the Mayo Clinic website and use the COVID-19 self-assessment tool because that will tell you about your risk level. It's more like, did anybody you didn't know sneeze on you in the last five days? It, um, you know, do you have a fever, blah, blah, blah. So 
I thought that was another great thing about their guidelines. They said, don't overly rely on tests. Use this mm-hmm. assessment, use this assessment tool because tests are imperfect in, in between, you know, the reality of false negatives, um, and the possibility of false positives. Um, it's just, there's a timing issue with tests. So use this self-assessment tool too. And this, this whole article is great. It, it's on Mashable, right, Whitney? Yep. It's on Mashable. So um, pe- people if, can Google that. Mm-hmm. And it's by Dr. Jana and Kenneth Play. They've both been on the podcast. And both we very, love very them. Good episodes. Yes. And, oh, and you know, I just forgot to say that I love that where they were coming from was not only do we need to get real that people are having sex during this pandemic, we need to get real about the fact that we need to stop shaming people for that. We need to acknowledge that pleasure is a right and part of our health and understand why people are doing it and accept that and work with them and give them guidelines. And then the other thing that they did, which was so them, and I got to say is so us, is they said, hold up, all the, all the messaging about COVID and sex has been aimed at monogamous people. They're like, mm. what about my non-monogamous peeps? Per you. How do we help them out? Right? Yeah. And so that's what I love about this piece that they wrote. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they really they really brought it home. I'm proud yes. of them and They're grateful very inclusive. to them. Me too. Right? Yeah, yeah. they really are. Wow. Oop, I think I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> I'll mute my mic so oh, no one can really join me in on this. And I'm just telling the sound editor, you might want to edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe I'm good. Maybe I'm good, you know? Did you know that it's when I was like, did you know when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but I got a book about sex from my mom. And one of the things that it said was they were trying to explain sexual pleasure, which was pretty out there for like 1975, right? Like trying to explain sexual pleasure to kids in a book about sex. I mean, the thing it's, is, it's still out there, which is unfortunate. Oh, amen to that. It's so right. The book <laughs> compared an orgasm because they were mostly talking to kids who probably hadn't started masturbating yet and didn't know. <laughs> they were trying to say sex is great. It feels great. Something to really enjoy when you're old enough to do it responsibly and safely. And there's this great thing called an orgasm. And it feels like a sneeze. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have heard this. And I guarantee so many people listening to this have heard the same thing. It's like if you sneeze six times in a row, it like equals a full orgasm or something. <laughs> That's what, that's how they explained in this book. And, you know, I kind of get it. It's like this thing that it's building up. And if it doesn't happen, you're like, wait a second. <laughs> if it does oh. happen, you're like, ah, oh, I feel so good now. I mean, I do love a good sneeze. Don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy a sneeze. I do. But and, I, what am I going to take more? A sneeze or an orgasm? I think I'm going to choose an orgasm. I know I you. I you could sneeze and orgasm at the same time. You're going to choose the O if I know you. Yeah, I don't know if you can do that. Um, <laughs> when when was your last orgasm? Oh, this morning. Oh, God bless. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. I was actually using this, uh, The I think it's the Onda, Onda or the Ose. Um, oh, They won yeah. the robotics award. Oh, like- you, is that Carly's new toy? Yes. Yes. Oh, how was that? Hey, this is not sponsored content. No, this This is is not. 
This is just straight up gangstress of pleasure telling you what she likes. Tell us, yeah, Whitney. It's by uh, Laura DiCarlo. Yeah, it's Laura DiCarlo's. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, it's really awesome because it's it's like a robotic and it's supposed, it's won some sort of a ro- robotic award as well. And so it's a G-spot massager and it um, mimics the come hither motion. It's wild. Oh, it like strokes the it strokes inside. It's, it's stroking your urethral sponge. Yes. And then does mm-hmm. it have clitoral stimulation as well? It does not. No, this is just internal. Just, Ooh, yeah, just the come hither. And you, and you can, you're, what I really like about this, and I think you could probably do it with hands and everything else, but with this in particular is that you can use it by yourself, obviously, but you can really explore internally to find what feels the best. Like, do you want the vibration on? Do you not want the vibration on? And, and where it's placed can you can have like smaller strokes or longer or quicker or slower? Um, so you can really take some time to explore internally, which is awesome. Ooh, so did you find your urethral sponge with the? Oh OCA? yeah, girl. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh my gosh! I don't need a whole lot of help finding that one. Well played, <laughs> well played, Whitney Miller. Well played. So okay, I'm that was my that. last orgasm. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I just wanted, <laughs> and then to I know. had coffee. And then I went to the gym, and now I'm here. <laughs> it's like it's like a perfect day that you had. It I mean, I really crushed it. No, what else? You know, what else needs to happen? It, really, you know, except to defeat totalitarianism, your day is totally complete. <laughs> <laughs> and good about it. Okay, so you're saying that I should buy an Osei. It's worth it. Uh, yeah, I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. I mean, it doesn't, I prefer fingers, but. Um, on your urethral sponge. Your urethral yeah. sponge is close enough that you can reach it with your own fingers. Yes. Okay. But Got it's, it. I mean, my hand gets tired. Let's be real. My, if I'm trying yeah. to make myself squirt, yeah. like my hand gets really tired and most of the time I can't do it. But. Okay. So this is handy for that. that. Yeah. This is handy when your partner's not there and you want. Uh, what's called the G spot orgasm, or we might, and it's from your urethral sponge, or you want to squirt. Also, thanks to your urethral sponge, this is this is your go to the Ose. Did you try oh. the Ose two yet? This is not sponsored content. No, I mean, this really is not. No, I haven't tried the Ose two. But look, that one has. Now I'm looking it up. <laughs> that one has a clitoral stimulator as well. Whoa, you guys. Oh, great. Okay. And you know what else I need from you? And again, totally unsponsored content. I don't know if I told you, I love this lube called Pejure, or maybe some people call it Pure, P-J-U-R. Mm. It's German. I, that. I learned about it from some of our escort friends. Because, you know, if you want some good information about sex, ask, and, and intercourse is your jam or whatever, um, or, you know, you're heterosexual. But also, if you're gay, this they can help you too. They can help you out too. But I get a lot of great information from escorts. And I heard many of whom I interviewed for Untrue and um, Love. And they told me about Pejur or Pure, P-J-U-R. Um, and it's, it's German. And, you know, the EU has much higher standards for safety for personal care products. In the United States, personal care products can make an end run around safety standards by just saying they contain fragrance and you can dump anything into the fragrance rubric, including oh, 
Yeah, including even, you know, um, carcinogens in some instances. So if you're looking for a good lube, I like Peugeot, but I ran out and I want to know what you use and what you like. Um, Because I'm going to replace. I'm going to replace with Peugeot, but I thought I would get another one as well. I, I usually use almost naked organic. Almost naked organic lube. Okay, that's, that's your called. I'm gonna get some. Yeah, it's nice. I'm I'm more interested in trying yours. I feel like mine's a little bit boring com- compared to your German amazing one. Okay, so. yeah, that one has the most amazing texture I've ever experienced in a lube, and my husband also loves it. So P J U R, I love them. Awesome. Oh, while we're just shooting the shit, yeah. Can I tell you let's, something let's that I'm about? Some more shit. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something that I'm going to do next week. Ooh, tell me. Uh, I'm going to go on a five-day fast-mimicking diet for the fourth time. Girl, what does that mean exactly? Okay, you go on— Other than torture. I know. (laughs) Okay, again, this is not sponsored. We're just talking about stuff we do and stuff we like today, I guess. Um, Yeah. Among other things. So I do this five-day fast-mimicking diet called Prolon, and it was developed by this anti-aging researcher named Walter Longo, and my doctor prescribed it for me when I, after I had, it seems like I had COVID, and I had gained weight, but it was more an issue that I felt cognitively impaired. And I was oh, saying to my daughter, the worst. yeah, like, and you know, I'm a writer wit. I need to be able like information retrieval is very important. I need to, and I would be sitting there unable to remember a word. Right. And it was happening too much. And, uh, so I talked to my doctor about it and he said, look, here's something that you could try for both of those things that would help with both things. And he gave me a prescription for this prolon thing. And it's so I couldn't fast. Like if you told me Wednesday, you have to go five days without eating, I would just shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) That you even said it to me. And then when I tried to do it, I would be like biting off the heads of my children and my husband and putting them in the soup (laughs) and making it. That's what would happen if I had to fast for five days. I would be hangry. (laughs) I'd be hangry. and, And okay, so this guy, Walter Longo, developed this thing called Prolon. He developed it so that you will be eating these things, this special diet, and it will induce all the physiological things that happen when you're fasting, but you'll still be eating like on the first day you eat 1,150 calories. And then the next three days you eat maybe 700 calories. What are you eating exactly? Yeah. Okay. So the cool thing about it is it comes in this very cool looking box. And then inside the box are like five other different boxes and each box has your food in it. Now, if you're a foodie, this isn't for you because it involves some dehydrated foods, (laughs) specially formulated to induce ketosis and autophagy, which is basically cellular renewal and cleanup. So, and you know, each day you just open your box and you get like a delicious breakfast bar for breakfast and you can have some caffeine for breakfast. And then you have like some olives and soup. And then you get like a weird little bar for a snack and some hibiscus tea. And then you have soup for lunch or or, then soup for dinner. All right. Anyway, I'm doing it again. I never thought I could do it. 
the benefits for me personally were so amazing. You know, I can't do this um, time-restricted eating thing that some people call IF. They call it intermittent fasting, but it's really time-restricted eating, right? Like they stop yeah. eating at seven and then they, they, they like don't eat until 11. So they're going like 16 hours, right? I can do that. I actually do that just kind of naturally. I don't really have breakfast much. So okay. I'll eat dinner and then I won't eat until one in the afternoon. So you're already doing time-restricted eating and it's easy for you. Easy for me. And okay, I, so- I notice the difference within my energy levels and my like physical body. If I'm trying to get in shape, I'll do intermittent fasting paired with keto. I don't go full keto. I call it keto-ish because it makes me feel like crap if I go full keto. Okay. Um, and it's not necessary. I'm just doing it for vain purposes. So... <laughs> yeah, just to be vain, just right. to be vain. Well, I look good naked. So, so wish me luck um, because I can't do what you do. Mm-hmm. I don't have that amount of discipline and I can't work. I get really cranky and I yell at people um, or I yell at like the walls. So I can't do that. So that's why that, <laughs> that's why I do this pro lawn thing. That's okay. So wish me luck. Okay. We got to talk about two other things before we go. Okay. Two other things. Let's do it. Okay, two things, RBG and WAP. (laughs) You know, RBG give you a WAP? I mean, she was so awesome. I think they're linked. I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the fact that Cardi and Megan Thee Stallion could sing a song called Wet Ass Pussy. Pussy. I think they're related. But how did you feel when you heard that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had died with? It was a lot. I mean, I feel like there's there was a lot of girls in my friend group, you know, that was just kind of shocked by it. And it's scary as well, right? But with, particularly with the yeah. election and then who's in, in office and what that means for all of us. Yeah. And and Trump trying to um, appoint a woman who's a social conservative, right? To replace mm-hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who, I mean, she was just so incredible. I don't even think women my age and younger, maybe we could even wrap our minds around all the things she did. But like, she was one of the people who helped get rid of, have you heard of head and master laws? No. Um, these were laws that were in effect in the United States. I believe the last one um, was struck down as late as 1977. But these were laws that made men the de facto um, head and masters of their household. And in many States for a long time, women couldn't get a heterosexual married women couldn't get a credit card without their husband's permission. Um, if their husband sold the house, um, he could get legally take all the proceeds from the sale. Even if the woman, um, had helped buy the house, um, Women were, yeah, women were really not in charge of their lives and men really were their heads and masters, legally speaking, um, into the 1970s. And she helped, uh, get rid of those laws and, you know, she helped ensure that pregnant women could work. And, you know, she was one of the forces behind title nine so that women could, um, be in sports. I mean, Mm -hmm. she just, she changed so many things and wow, what a sad, what a loss, right? And the thing is, is I did research after she died because I didn't really know how much influence and 
a positive influence that she had on people, lives that, of the people that I love the most. Yeah. I mean, you know? she, wow. 87 years old. I mean, a lot of people were saying, please, could she just hang on? We just really need her um, to be that kind of voice on the Supreme Court. And she's gone. And boy, it's not just sad uh, because she was such an incredible person and such a force for equality, but it's sad because <laughs> what does it mean for the future of our country, right? What if one of the biggest advocates for women and um, people of color and LGBTQ people is replaced by somebody who stands for exactly the opposite. <sighs> it just It's so on brand for 2020. I can't even handle it. It's really on brand for 2020. Jesus. Wow. And how did you like, so how do you like um, the Cardi B song WAP? Oh my God. I absolutely love it. Are you kidding me? Because mm. I, I, I think- play it all the time. Yeah, you do. I I do too. I have it like on repeat on my playlist. How do, how does your because you're the only woman in the house? Um, <laughs> how does the family respond? How do they feel about you it? You know, my well, my husband loves it. My husband loves Cardi B. My 19 year old really respects Cardi, and my you know, I think my 12 year old just wishes mom would be a little bit less. <laughs> A little bit ex- less extra. My yeah, my my twelve year old is sort of the one in the house who um like he doesn't swear, and he's um circumspect about sexuality, and you know doesn't really want to talk about it, and so you know God bless him for being that person in our household, and it's sweet, and I respect his boundaries, um but yeah, he probably just like. You know, he he thinks Cardi B is cool, but he would. I don't play the song around him just because I want to respect um, that it's a little embarrassing to him as a as an adolescent male. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, but I wish it weren't. I wish it were, and I, I'm not talking about my son. I wish in the culture in general there were nothing embarrassing about a woman talking about her wet ass pussy. I agree. I agree. I love a good wop. What yeah. I love mine. <laughs> and I, I love how RBG set the groundwork for WAP. <laughs> yeah. Did you also realize that they have WAP um, gear? Like they have umbrellas, they have ponchos, you can get a sweatshirt. Oh, like anything that you want. Yeah. I love you, that they have umbrellas and ponchos because I'm definitely getting some of that. And then next time it's raining, I'm just going to go for a walk just so I could use my... Um, oh my God. Will you, will you tell me later where I can get that? Yes. You know, there's a woman on Instagram who I think her handle is very inappropriate shit. And she is so funny. She So she had a comrade with little, um, she's like an Etsy person, right? Sort of. She designs cute stuff. I think it's called Very Inappropriate Shit. And one of the things that she had, she came to my attention and I was like, oh, wow, this is so nice. And um, one of the things that she had was a cum rag with little sperm cartoons on it. And she messaged messaged me and she said, you know, would you be, you know how lucky we are because of what we do, people get in touch with us and they're like, could I send you one of these? Like, yes, please. I love that uh, idea. Yeah. So I thought that was so nice. And um, I said, have you designed one yet that says WAP? And she was like, no, I haven't, but I need to. So stay tuned for comrades for for those of us with bulbas and WAPs that say WAP. 
Well, I did just read on TMZ that Cardi filed trademark paperwork for WAP. Oh, okay. So we better be careful about that. Cardi filed the paperwork last week saying that she wants to slap WAP on virtually every kind of gear you can imagine. Clothing, headwear, footwear, athletic bags, purses, jewelries, um, even on drinks. So liquor and liquor beverages. Uh, she even filed for stickers and posters too, for good measure. You know what? If my, if my empress wants a WAP empire, God bless let her. But you know mm-hmm. what? I, th- I don't know. I feel like she put it out there in the vernacular and a good, you can't own a good idea after it happens. So what? let's see. Let's see. Let's, let's see. see. <laughs> let's see. If, Whitney, let's see if once you release wet ass pussy into the world, let's see if you can control it. If you can contain it. You <laughs> cannot. You know this. She knows this. <laughs> I love your WAP and I love all the other WAPs out there listening. So do I. I'm so glad we had this time together, Wit. See, this is really like people just sitting down ta- listening to what we talk about. <laughs> like you were on a phone call with us, you guys. <laughs> Sorry, we did not do a lot of homework before today, but just enjoy the spontaneity and maybe have a little spontaneity. Give yourself permission to have a little spontaneity in your own life, inspired by how uh, comfortable we were with this. <laughs> We literally text each other. So what are we talking about? Mm, I don't know. Let's just see what comes up. Let's just see what comes up. And we did it for a whole hour. And we love our listeners for indulging us and being here with us. Yeah. Thanks for for dealing with my allergies, you guys. It all started with your allergies and we're back to your allergies. Whitney, feel better soon. Feel better. (laughs) Feel better, honey. I'm taking this this WAP to bed. Good night. Bye. Such a fun episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And if you did, please go on to iTunes and leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Um, It really helps the success of the podcast and spreading this message. Much love, guys.